like we're, okay we are literally okay we ready all right Ugh. i just hate saying goodbye to my seat warmer it's the best invention <sighs> ever yeah, well can you turn on the seat warmer without having any of the fans on or is it still too loud um you tell me is it better now that the fan is off oh yeah way better okay okay the fan is off oh, you're a genius turnquist <laughs> wow sometimes i want to get that in the show yeah <laughs> sometimes i want to get a heated snuggie <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Hi, we're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push, push it. it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season one, episode nine. And here we are hanging out doing our podcast and talking about how we are not the smartest people in the whole universe. <laughs> we just, I might have just pointed out something kind of obvious to Jill. So I'm feeling pretty proud of myself right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Should I tell a story? So I, she has like, so I love Jill and she is a very smart person. However, there, there was there were some pregnancy brain moments that were to die for uh there was a time she was getting um she was giving pictures like family pictures to her her family <laughs> Forgot and she was this. getting them all together and she had bought these picture frames and she gets them home and she's freaking out because <laughs> the picture frames that she had bought for like a vertical picture were now horizontal <laughs> What's a girl to do? <laughs> and, and, and her husband is, it was like, no, no, honey, look, you just turn it. <laughs> She's like, so, you know, sometimes we just have those moments. And I think, I think the more a linear thinker you are, the more likely those things are to happen. Because my husband is also very linear thinker. And there have been times when, like, this person who is, like, so smart has missed some of the most obvious things. <laughs> There's a lot of good stories in that gold mine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we could have a whole podcast about it. <laughs> yes. I think he'd be all right with that. He listens. He could yeah. he could listen to that. Yeah. Oh. Hi honey. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Kara, we are uh, a week out from your surgery. How are you feeling? Yeah, so well, I am I'm excited. I'm nervous. Um, I'm getting a double knee replacement for those of you who don't know. Um, and so there's, I'm really excited for how I'm going to feel after. Like we've been having these just gorgeous fall days. It's sunny and crisp and um, it's like the perfect walking or hiking weather. 
And I can't go anywhere. Like I can't walk more than a block without my knees just buckling and just not being able to do it. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited to be able to do that kind of thing again. But I'm also really nervous. Like I have become so efficient in the gym, figuring out modifications and like finding ways to like still get really, really good workouts because I want to be able to recover fast that like it's sort of become this crutch for me where I, I depend like emotionally depend on those workouts to Mm -hmm. kind of give me life. And now I'm going to be giving them up for a period of time. And so that's kind of scary. I feel also like I'm having this old lady surgery. And so I I actually got a tattoo this weekend and it's gorgeous. It's like so pretty. And I think I just like it, I wanted to get it done so that I'd have something that was just pretty and made me feel young and beautiful and fresh when I'm heading into like this surgery that's sort of making me feel a little bit like a failure and old. Yeah. So, so there it all is. (laughs) Well, yeah. So I just want to, I just want to applaud you for making the decision to get a tattoo rather than to chop your hair off. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. The last time Kara had a major surgery, she had similar feelings to the one she's having now, maybe a little bit more intense because it was a pretty big surgery. And she um, she just decided that she was going to give herself a little haircut and it was a little wild for her. Yeah. I had a definite Britney Spears moment. Like I went into my bathroom and chopped all my hair off and then I had to get it fixed, which made it even shorter. And so three years later now, like my hair is finally long again. Yes. And now you have a beautiful tattoo. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I know. I was like, Jill, don't let me do anything stupid. <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> I like how you, you tell me that, like I could help it. Right. <laughs> like, I know my husband didn't even know what I was doing. I came out of the bathroom. He goes, oh, you did that. <laughs> oh, you did that. Oh. When you don't know what to say, just say what I- you see. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not having quite the freak out that I did before. I am excited, you know, like I, you know, the idea of, of having these bionic knees where I can, will be able to do a lot of stuff that I'm not able to do now and like not be having to constantly deal with the physical and emotional ramifications of being in pain all the time. I'm really excited for that. I just yeah. wish the recovery, I wish I could just sort of blink through the recovery. Um, but you know, that's just not reality. Yeah. Well, so. it's an, un, it's an unknown. And I, I really hope that I really hope that it ends up being a pleasant surprise for you that once you kind of get past mm-hmm. the initial stages of, being in a lot of pain from recovering from the surgery mm-hmm. that it'll start to feel mm-hmm. better more quickly than you expected. And I, I really mm-hmm. hope so. Um, but I'm excited because I get to cover your shifts and because your the, our gym is in your garage, I get to see you every day. That's so right. I'm going to bring my recording device when she's on the good stuff and right. <laughs> we'll post that on the internet if there's anything juicy. 
right? <laughs> I might be very, I'll be very frank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, what they, they do this thing now um, where they actually put pain blocks in your knees that last for several days after the surgery. So it kind of gets you past some of the really, really like terrible pain days. So Great. I'm hoping that that will help a little bit. Yes. Me but too. yeah. Yeah. So big surgery coming up probably won't be a podcast next week because <laughs> I will be in, in the OR um, this time next right. week. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, and if, if COVID were not around, you could bet your bottom dollar that I would be there, but I can't be. So no. I'll just have to yeah. check in. Yes. Yeah. Sounds good. So, um, so how are you doing? I'm doing better than I was a few days ago. So all of a sudden, at the same time, all three of my kids got sick last week. And to be a good citizen and to protect ourselves and others, we decided to quarantine ourselves. And we basically stayed home from Thursday until today, like, <laughs> like, like a really whole a whole week. So we're all feeling a little stir crazy. And I'm excited to get out of the house today. Jack's excited to come over and play with his friend today. And everybody's feeling better. Everybody's on the mend. Nobody has COVID. We're all back into the swing of things. So I'm yes. feeling grateful for that. But man, that was a long. So mm -hmm. yesterday, yesterday, the day before, um, Cara and I did a virtual workout together. It was a little great mood booster for me. But when I hopped on, I had the microphone on. I was yelling at Jack, you can have as many chocolate pretzels as you want as long as you leave me alone. Yep. <laughs> I was like, that's, yeah, that's, that's that mom life. That yep. sounds like somebody who's been home <laughs> since last week. <laughs> yep, exactly. But yeah, we're, yes. we're all feeling better. So today um, we're going to be leaning into a heavier topic. Um, if you haven't been following the news, it was two days ago, right? Or was it yesterday? Um, I think it was two days ago. Two days ago. Walter Wallace Jr., 27-year-old uh, man, was fatally shot to death by police in his neighborhood, in front of his mother, in front of his pregnant wife. And we want to talk about that and break it down a little bit because, you know, a lot of times when these things come up, one of the first things is, well, he didn't do what the police told him to do. So let's break this down a little bit. Walter Wallace Jr. is a man, was a man with mental health conditions and mm -hmm. the police call was made by his family to get help for a, a psychosis a psychotic break that he was experiencing and if I get any of these details wrong please like let me know I'm totally fine with being called out for that um, I'm still processing all of the things that happened to myself but I can't imagine what his family is going through um, but the police were called to help uh, to help with his um, outburst. So police were informed ahead of time that it was a man with bipolar disorder um, and that he was manic. And still the response to him in the street with a knife was to shoot him 14 times. And right. we just, it, I don't want to say that we're at a loss or that we're surprised because this sort of thing unfortunately continues to happen all of the time. But I I just wish, want, and will that we could get beyond death being 
the only answer to these sorts of things. A family who called for help ended up with a dead family member and that did not have to happen. It didn't have to happen. And police should have training in how to de-escalate these situations. And we have seen police de-escalate these situations when a white person is involved. There have been mass shootings where white, a white man has killed multiple people and they have managed to be arrested without a scratch. Mm-hmm. This man should not be dead right now. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you could say, oh, he had a knife. He was, you know, acting crazy or all, you know, all these different things. And honestly, I just, I just don't care. I don't care that he had a knife. I, I believe that there should be enough training. If, if police are the ones that are coming to the scene when something like this happens, this is the kind of thing that they need to be trained in. And I, I just read it this morning, so I don't remember exactly the statistics, but I believe that a very large percentage of these black people who are being murdered by the police do have a mental health issue that these are calls they are that are people are calling in for help because of an episode like this and over and over and over again these people are being killed instead of helped Mm -hmm. and when we talk about you know we are a fitness company and we cannot talk about fitness or wellness without talking about racism. This is the kind of stuff that we are talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um, there might not be an exact, um, exact comparison, <laughs> but um, we work with a lot of moms and motherhood is one of those things that I think a lot of us who are parents can understand what it's like to love a child and that feeling can be described fairly universally. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so when I, th- I think about these lost people, these people who just no longer can contribute in our society anymore. I, and at these, this is someone's son. Um, and I think about it as the mother who what who, you know, called for help and was, I mean, I saw that some of the video, I'm glad they're not playing these entire videos anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. But it looked like she was trying to run out in front of her son to block him. Yeah, she was. She was. And it's, I get really angry about the people who bring up the fact that he was non-compliant that he would that he had a criminal record and and all this stuff and it's that's first of all that's not a death sentence okay but second of all take a look at the bigger picture this is a man who needed mental health services and he wasn't able to access them so what happened instead he got arrested over and over again what happened instead his family called for help what happened instead he didn't put down the knife because he wasn't in his right mind and he was so he had to die like that's not that's that's not a death sentence and 
to, just to think about all of the trauma involved in this situation for his mother and for his wife, who is supposed to be having their baby today, actually. She's oh being induced today. And it's just, this doesn't have to happen. And so when we're talking about, when we're talking about defunding the police, we're not talking about taking the police away. We're talking about about redistributing resources so that people like Walter Wallace Jr. could have got the help that he deserved and needed before this shit happened. Right. And part of that includes normalizing mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up being like thinking that mental illness was, was really embarrassing to tell you the truth. I, and I actually, I had a terrible bout of postpartum depression after having my first son. And um, I was so embarrassed by the way I felt that I never felt like I could tell anybody about it. And so I was, I thought I could sort of exercise my way into being happier and that didn't work. And so I would sometimes drink by myself in the Mm -hmm. afternoons while my son took his naps as sort of a coping mechanism. And then like one day I literally just kind of snapped. I, my husband at the time said something snarky and he's, he's generally sort of a hard to get along with person for me, for me, even when we were married. So, (laughs) um, uh, but you know, but what he said did not like, was not the kind of thing that would you normally set me off, but I literally just snapped and he called the cops on me mm-hmm. and I was clearly having some kind of breakdown. Mm-hmm. And what happened to me is I was carted off by the police. They took me to the hospital. I stayed a day. They prescribed me some kind of meds. No one visited me in the hospital. And I was, I was, I felt so much shame and embarrassment for having had this breakdown. And the medicine they gave me was made me want to sleep all the time. And I was even more depressed and it made everything worse. And I never, I just stopped taking the medication and just was like, I just got to buckle down and get better. And I actually was able to come out of it. But that that's probably not the norm. Right. I needed I needed more help and support than I got and even going through the process I never felt I never f- was, felt like it was okay that I had had that experience. Mm-hmm. I always felt shame and embarrassment. And mm-hmm. I am a privileged white woman. So I right. think about some of these, <clears throat> some of the, basically I think about people of color and a lot of these cultural stereotypes that they are asked to live up to, like the strong black woman, right. uh, the tough black man, um, which are s- such a narrow, narrow hole for someone to have to try to fit into Mm -hmm. um and then you'd start to think about mental illness in in those terms and it's it's heartbreaking 
these people are not getting the help they need. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's what you said earlier too when you were talking about the fact that mental illness is one of the things that um, that is used to vilify uh, black people, people of color, um, especially in these quote unquote criminal situations. Um, but it's at the, on the same side of that coin, opposite side of that coin rather. It's used as an excuse for white people um, and their quote unquote bad behavior, I would say violent behavior mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in in those communities. And the the access to resources is very variable um, depending on who you are, what your skin color is, and where you live. And that's really, really, really unfortunate. Really unfortunate. Um, and I um Thank you for sharing your story, Kara, about your um, about your episode where you went to the hospital. I know that was hard for you to talk about, and I hope that saying it out loud helped you let go of some of that shame because it's it these types of of things that you're describing, these types of mental health issues. I think more people are experiencing them than we all realize. And when we share our stories, it becomes more of a normal part of a, a conversation and more people who do have access to those resources feel more empowered to go and, and get those. Um, mm-hmm. We've, we've talked a lot about, um, at least on our social media, I've talked a lot about my past um, postpartum depression issues, postpartum traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder issues. And um, I, you know, after I had Lily, my third, so I had a, a traumatic birth experience with my second, and we don't need to get into all of that right now, but um, my third was a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby, healthy cesarean, everything was, you know, rainbows and unicorns, and yet I had the worst um, bout of postpartum depression after her birth than with my other two. And it didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, well, I just need to pull it together. (laughs) So, but, you know, it actually ended up happening. And I want to talk about this too, to take the stigma out of it. I I could no longer manage my mental health symptoms with exercise, good nutrition, and Mm -hmm. healthy social relationships alone. I had to get on medication. I'm on it right now. It has made a world of difference in my energy level, in my friendships, in my relationships with my family, my presence. Like, and I just want to put that out there to those who might be listening who are experiencing mental health issues that nobody really wants to be on medications, at least I don't think so, but they have a purpose and they can help they can help you have a better quality of life if that's something that's necessary for you to to get past these um deep deep dark depressions i encourage mm-hmm. you to seek out mm-hmm. those options if they're accessible to you yeah and we we will uh talk about some uh, um resources that you can use to find those options um but yes thank you for sharing that cuz i I really do think we we work with a lot of postpartum people and we have seen how prevalent postpartum depression, anxiety really is. Um, And it's just, we just don't talk about it enough. Mm -hmm. And, and it still seems very stigmatized. Um, We do tend to get some pushback when we uh, talk to some of our, um, our clients about getting help when 
we are seeing some signs and um and the reason why is usually just because it's sort of seen as a as a weakness or seen as something that's embarrassing and um i it'd be it'd be kind of great if we could take some of the stigma out of it which is one of the reasons why we do share like i i have started telling that story of my hospitalization a lot more and that was something that I had just kept locked down. Like I didn't talk about that mm-hmm. for years um, <clears throat> because I was terrified that if somebody knew that about me, that they would be like, oh, she's crazy. Um, and <clears throat> which when we talk about language, you know, like beyond, you know, pronouns and the right terminology to call people that's some that's also a word that would be nice to start to take out of our vocabulary and it's something that I say still too I'll say oh that's crazy or that you know and um it's I I'm calling myself out for it here just so that I can try to start being a little bit more accountable to it because um the words we use matter. And mm-hmm. when we hear, when we hear over and over somebody using that as sort of a derogatory term, that matters. Um, yeah, you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. That's something that I should work on too. I will work on too. Um, and, you know, I, I come from a long line of folks with mental health issues. Um, my mom has bipolar disorder. Um, one of my brothers has bipolar disorder. Um, my other two siblings have you know, symptoms of depression and anxiety. I don't know if they have diagnoses or any, or anything like that, but um, this was something that was just bound to creep up on me. And it's like, the more, the more you lean into those feelings and accepting the help that you have available to you, I think the more normal you start to feel because you start to feel less lonely because you're going to have people who relate to you. Um, And you also start to to kind of take ownership of that, like, okay, this is an issue and it is something that I can work on. So what are my options? What can I do here? Mm -hmm. Um, But you think about uh, kind of circling back to um, Walter Wallace Jr. You think about like these big feelings that people like you and I have Cara and that other um, postpartum folks have who are uh, white. Like you think about that and then pile on top of that racism pile on top of that police brutality, pile on top of that, everything that goes, that's a lot of layers. And that's a heavy, heavy, heavy burden for Mm -hmm. black and brown people to carry. And so Mm -hmm. it's, I just, it's so important that some sort of reform, some sort of um, abolishment, some sort of something happens here because this, these are, this is the reason that these riots are happening. Like people are, people are all up in arms, like, Oh, what does destroying property do? And blah, blah, blah. Like these are people pushed to the brink. They, mm-hmm. Enough is enough. Like I just, something needs to happen. Yeah. I, that's a really, really good point. Um, you know, and we, as we've been talking about a lot of these, uh, these topics, um, obviously like racism, and police brutality is coming up a lot in our podcast. And we do get a lot of pushback and feedback about what are, what are two white women doing, you know, talking about, <clears throat> talking about these issues when like you're supposed to be talking about fitness. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I want to share with you all a post that uh, Jesse Mundell posted yesterday. She is um, she is someone. She's also a pre and postnatal coach. Um, in fact, we took her certification uh, when we were getting into this niche. Mm-hmm. Um, we've met her at conferences, and Jill actually trained with her personally through one of her pregnancies. Um, so she's. She's someone that we really respect and love, and we've seen her sort of develop um, this part of herself, um, or at least expose this part of herself over the years um, as she has started to talk more and more about social justice herself. So this is what Jesse Mundell says. Pregnancy, postpartum, and pelvic health colleagues, a call for accountability. If we are talking about our workout of the day, we must be talking about the need for safe, government-funded abortion access for all. If we are talking about pelvic floor exercises, we must be talking about how Black trans lives matter. If we're talking about how to breathe, we must be talking about our rage regarding forced hysterectomies. If we are talking about diastasis recti, we must be talking about the institutionalized racism indigenous, black, and brown birthing people experience. If we say we serve, treat, coach, and care for underserved populations, let's actually act like we do. And not just talking about it, be about it, acting on it. Our work in pregnancy, postpartum, pelvic health, birthing, fitness, and health is indeed political. Let's respond accordingly. Mm-hmm. I love you. Let's all do more, including myself, always. Yeah. That, that whole post um, really rings true to us um, in our in our business in our personal lives and our professional lives um, and we also just want to say too that us talking about these things and posting about these things is is definitely not performative it's also not um, us establishing ourselves as experts on any of this stuff like we're we're just two humans in the world trying to make it better for our fellow humans and for the humans that come after us. Um, mm-hmm. And talking about these things, especially on our podcast, like this is a way for um, us to show our authentic selves. Um, and this is something like this situation uh, with the murder of Walter Wallace Jr. That's something that Kara and I have on a personal level been thinking about reading about talking about since it happened so this is this is just us being ourselves um but as far as mental health uh illnesses go the number one resource that um i would normally share for people is to call the substance abuse and mental health um advice line i think it's called association actually it's samsha s-a-m a, sorry, S-A-M-H-S-A, National Helpline, and that's 1-800-662-HELP, 1-800-662-4357. Call SAMHSA's National Helpline, it's free, um, and they can help connect you with some resources in your area. 
Um, so if you are out there struggling and you don't know where to start, that's a good place to start. Mm -hmm. And beyond that, um, this is a big week, especially if you're living within the United States. Please make your voice heard. Vote. Mm -hmm. It's not just the presidency that matters. It is all of your local elections that can make a huge impact on how resources are spread, um, what kind of care people get, and um, including things like this mental health care. So um, yes. please vote. Yep. Yes. So that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure to hit subscribe, like it, comment, share. The more subscriptions we get, the more visibility we get, and the more listeners that we can reach just like you. Have a good one. Go vote. Go Bye. vote. Bye.